Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. In this episode, we are going to talk about motivation. How do we get our dancers to be more motivated in class? How do we get a class full of dancers who want to keep trying, who push through when that combo is really hard? How do we reach every dancer in class? In this episode, I'm going to tell you about the three basic needs behind motivation. If you can incorporate these three needs into your class, you'll be able to motivate everyone. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. So if you're like me, you have probably felt discouraged in the middle of a competition practice because the dancers are not giving it their all, right? There are those days where you're there showing up 100% and you're ready to push them and help them reach their goals and they are not giving it what you know they can, right? You get the eye rolling or you get the maybe 80%, right? You just, they're not going for it. It's so frustrating. Or maybe you've started out the season with really high hopes for your amazing new team or the great company program, only to be super disappointed later when you don't reach your goals. So I think every dance teacher wants to motivate their athletes to achieve their personal best and to achieve your team best. So how do we do that? So the short answer is, if you want a team full of self-motivated athletes, that's an easier said than done. It's, It's really hard to pull off, but it is possible and there are strategies behind it. It is in your power as the teacher to make this happen. So it starts with intrinsic motivation. Dancers bring some level of motivation to the table. So let's, I want to be clear about this part that it's not going to work for 100% of your dancers. If they have zero desire to be in class, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. But for those dancers who do actually enjoy dance, they just may be feeling a little burnt out lately, or you know that they have more in them to give that you aren't seeing right now. You know, There's a lot you can do to increase their motivation in class. So I want to be clear that there are some dancers that they have to do their part, right? They have to show up and care at least a little bit and want to be in class. But as long as they have some level of intrinsic motivation, if they actually like dance at all, then there's a lot you can do as a teacher to help bring that out of them. A motivational dance teacher understands how to support a dancer's three basic needs. When you can do that, you will see a class full of dancers who push themselves to achieve their best. And this may seem a little idealistic, but it's very real. And I've I've coached teams that we have 100% of them at this level. And I've definitely coached teams where we're not there. And I know what that feels like. But when you can have a group of dancers, whether it's a class, a company, as a school team, if that whole group is all on board and all motivating themselves, like that's the gold standard, right? That would be an amazing accomplishment. And that's what I want to help you get to today. So let's talk about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. It's not all good and bad. And I think sometimes extrinsic motivation gets a bad rap and we assume that we have to, it all has to come from within. And many of us understand the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, but here's a quick review just in case. Intrinsic motivation comes from an internal source. For example, a dancer saying, like, I dance because I like it, like I enjoy it, it makes me happy. The motivation to work hard in class and stay disciplined in our sport 
comes from the desire to master a skill, to learn something new, or just genuine enjoyment for dance. Extrinsic motivation, on the other hand, is when the incentive is outside of the individual. It could be a tangible reward, like a trophy or a scholarship even, uh, or it could be feedback. So some dancers are motivated to work hard because the teacher gave them a positive comment at the end of class today, and so now tomorrow they're going to show up and strive for that again. So again, there's not a good and bad type of motivation. Really, they're just different, and many of the best athletes and your top dancers have both sources of motivation. Dancers who genuinely enjoy what they're doing, they want to improve their skills, but they also want to win, or they also want to achieve a level of external success. It's okay to be motivated by competition. So that said, there's a lot of positive outcomes associated with a primarily intrinsic motivation. It's what psychologists call self-determined motivation. So generally speaking, the more self-motivated an athlete is, the better. And just stop to think about what that means, right? Wouldn't it be amazing if every dancer you were working with had a high level of self-motivation? That allows you as the teacher to give everything you can and they're ready to receive it, right? That's that's the goal here. We're trying to help those dancers be self-motivated so they can receive your expertise even better. So stop and think about one of your classes, right? Or consider yourself as a dancer. What makes you show up every day? When you struggle to go to class, what brings you there? When you aren't feeling it, what helps you show up? So a little about me, I know that when things were really hard, I could rely on my genuine love of dance. Especially in high school, those years when rehearsals were especially intense, I was spending you know, more than 20 hours a week at the studio. There's definitely days I didn't want to go, right? And that's normal. But I knew if I just got myself in the car, got my hair up, got myself to class, I'd feel better by the end of it. I could rely on the mood-boosting capabilities of class to get me to show up. Sometimes it was turns and leaps. Sometimes it was a great, you know, contemporary combo that I loved uh, with, you know, the lights low and it just letting you feel and enjoy dance itself. You know, other times it was a killer ballet bar that allowed me to really focus inward on those minute details. But the point is that I knew I could rely on my love of dance to carry me on most days. But there's days when that love of dance isn't enough. We all need to be able to feel like we're getting something out of it, that it's worth it to go to rehearsals today. It's worth it to, you know, sacrifice everything that we do to give all of our hours to dance. So as a teacher, That's the million dollar question, right? How do you improve your dancer's intrinsic motivation? Okay, so here's where we get to the tips and tricks part. I'm gonna share with you this psychological concept of these three basic needs with all sorts of ways that you can test this out with your classes next time you're with your dancers and see what works for you. So first, know that you, that the teacher, do have power to improve your dancer's intrinsic motivation. Yeah, it's about them, right? Except that you set up the culture in your class, in your studio, or on your team. You can make a big difference in fostering intrinsic motivation for your dancers. So there is extensive research on motivation. One of the most widely renowned theories of motivation is called self-determination theory by two psychologists, Richard Ryan and Edward Deasy. But one of my jobs here on this podcast is to take the hundreds and thousands of pages of psych research and boil it down to the point for you. So here's the main idea. Every athlete has three basic motivational needs. Ryan and DC believe that every athlete has a need for competence, a need for autonomy, and a need for relatedness. Here's where you grab a piece of paper or your tablet if you want to take some notes because we're going deep here. 
Competence is the belief that you are capable. Every athlete has a need to perceive his or her behavior and her abilities as effective. For example, a dancer has, to, has a need to feel competent in his ability to complete the turn section in the jazz routine. It can be a specific skill, like a specific turn or a specific you know, two-eight count turn section, or it can be a little bit broader, like uh, a dancer's need to feel capable performing a specific style of hip hop that you've chosen for that year, or being able to master uh, you know, the, that choreographer specific nuance style. Competence is the belief that you are capable. So when a dancer feels competent of like, yeah, I can pull this off. I can do this turn section. I get the style. I can mimic this. If they feel competent, they're going to feel more self-determined motivation. Now, autonomy is the belief that the activity or the task is under your own self-control. So in the context of sport and dance, uh, this usually comes down to choice. If an athlete feels like she has some sort of choice on the team or in class and is involved in the decision-making process, then you'll see more self-determined motivation. And then the third need is relatedness. It's that need for positive social relationships in an activity. Whenever positive relationships exist on a team or in the studio, that allows a person to feel a sense of belonging. When we feel like we belong, we're more motivated, right? Think about that for yourself. When in your life are you more motivated to show up? Usually it's because you're with the people you want to be with, right? Like I love judging when I get to judge with my friends that I don't see very often, right? The people that I get to, uh, you know, they make the job more fun. I love choreographing when I'm choreographing with people who inspire me. I love, you know, those kinds of positive relationships bring out the best and you're more motivated when that positive relationship exists for you. So here's how it works. Satisfaction of all of these three basic needs facilitates that self-driven motivation. The more a teacher can establish this environment that will support all three needs, the more motivated his athletes become. Here are some concrete ways you can improve the need satisfaction of your athletes. Uh, of course, I know you're living your busy life right now. So if you want to download a list of these ideas, you can find it in the show notes. I've got it for you. Okay. Let's talk about autonomy. Autonomy, again, is that belief that the activity is under your own control. Here's some ways that you can increase autonomy in your class. The language you use makes a big difference in a dancer's perception of choice and control. So rather than telling your team they should or they have to do extra cardio training, explain why that cardio training will make a big difference in their performance. Encourage them to come up with a plan for the type of training they want to do and how often. And instead of telling your ballet company that they have to do a complete bar warm-up before every show because it's policy, explain why it will contribute to their performance. Or even ask them for their favorite combinations or music that they want you to incorporate on show days. Give them a sense of contribution and understanding, and you'll increase the sense of autonomy. Number two, offer choice whenever you can. Present a few options that are all okay with you and then let them choose. Things like, you know, what kind of warm-up to do that day, what team t-shirt to wear when you travel, or even bigger things like what process goals they set for the year. In every scenario, whether you're in the studio, a school team, competition, rec classes, there's opportunities for choice. So consider how you can present your dancers with a few choices in their dance life. Number three, allow athletes to have a say, especially in how practices and classes are structured. 
Now, we don't mean relinquish all control and let dancers run the show. We, that could go crazy, right? But say, for example, that you were in the midst of intense nationals practices. You can tell their dancers are feeling run down, they're tired. You know, make sure their opinions are heard. Even just, you know, for a school team who's working on two routines for nationals, would you rather start with our palm routine today or hip hop? Just that simple choice can go a long way for your dancer's motivation. When I was in studio, we would always run the routines in a certain order, right, from small group up through the lines. And sometimes it honestly would have been nice just to go in the other order, just to start with the large routines and work our way to the smaller ones. You know, maybe there's a particularly emotional routine and asking if they want to finish that routine instead of start with it, uh, you know, might help your dancers get in the right headspace. So you may have a long day ahead of you with uh, rehearsals, but if you are able to Uh, you know, ask your dancers and give them some sort of choice about how that day is structured, it will go a long way. Allow athletes to be a part of the goal setting process. Goal setting is something I'm sure we'll talk more about here on this podcast, but in general, they dancers will have a much stronger investment and long-term continuous effort when they're a part of setting up the goals for the season. Uh, It's common on school teams, uh, but even in studios, goals can really help with motivation. Number five, ask for feedback. When a teacher or a coach stops to ask his or her athletes how they're doing and genuinely hears the answer, the athletes will have an increased sense of control. While one-on-one is ideal, like realistically, it takes too much time. I think that's always a little bit idealistic. It can be incredibly challenging depending on how many dancers you have. But even if you're doing it as a whole group for a class or a level or with a small subset, you know, check in every once in a while and ask how they perceive the things are going. You know, what did you like or dislike about our new strength and conditioning practice? Or how do you feel about how we spent our time this week? Those small check-ins, you know, especially with teenage and older dancers, can completely turn a sulking teenage group into a self-motivated athlete that you're looking for. Number six, provide opportunities for athletes to serve as leaders and display responsibility. And if you're on a school team with formal leaders and captains, it's not just about them. And if you're in a studio without that kind of traditional leadership role, you have so much space for informal leaders. And those leaders are really powerful. So don't forget to include as many people as possible and give them small leadership roles. You can set up a cleaning workshop where they work in small groups of three. One dancer is assigned of the leader of that group for that day. You can rotate leaders on different days, instilling a sense of control over their own actions and improving motivation. It also helps them learn to respect each other and reduces entitlement that we're all too familiar with. And number seven, overall highlight the importance of effort, not outcome. Highlight effort during practice and when giving feedback about progress. It's much more powerful to tell an athlete, I'm proud of the work you put in today, rather than you're such a natural. They're both praise and they're both a compliment, but only the first one saying I'm proud of the work you put in today will actually help instill a sense of autonomy. An athlete has control over their effort, not over their innate talent. This episode is brought to you by the Dance Coach Membership Releve, a community for dance coaches on the rise. This community is designed to help you create a team of committed, hardworking dancers that are a pleasure to coach every day. I've learned a lot about coaching other coaches over the years, and one thing I know is we need clear action plans that are easy to implement and a support network around us. So I created a membership to help all the dance coaches out there who want to rise up and make a difference on their team. Head over to passionatecoach.com slash membership to learn more about how to join us inside this dance coach membership where you will get the support and guidance to find a new level of joy and success in coaching. That's passionatecoach.com slash membership. 
All right, now we're going to move into competence. And remember, competence is that sense of your capabilities, right? You want to boost a dancer's belief in their uh, capabilities to perform. So here's five ways to boost competence in your dancers. Number one, set goals that optimally challenge your dancers. They should be realistic and achievable and both individual and as a whole group. Then make sure there's a systematic effort-based feedback as athletes work towards those goals. You have to have a system for checking in and monitoring improvement, but if you can recognize improvement, you'll see an increase in competence. Just pause for a second and think of the last time you saw a dancer demonstrate improvement on a skill. When was the last time you saw them get better? Did you say anything? Did you compliment them and their effort and their hard work, either individually or in front of everyone else. I know as a coach and a teacher, I was always guilty of noticing improvement, but not necessarily saying it out loud. So I'm telling you now, please say it out loud. Let them hear you. Number two, ensure your skill building drills are meaningful and your athletes understand the purpose. Again, especially with teenagers, the older in that kind of teenage world and into college, if they understand the reasoning, it's going to matter. So if you introduce a new drill to improve jumps, make sure the athletes know what it's for. That way, when they're exhausted and frustrated with the repetitiveness of your day, they're more likely to push through and encourage each other because they understand the importance and desired outcome of the drill. This is huge in ballet. They may hate it when you make them hold arabesque forever in a slow adagio, but if they understand the progression that it will improve the back leg and their leaps, among other things, it can help increase their sense of competence. So they start to understand, okay, if I focus, if I can do this now, I'll be able to do that later, right? That's going to encourage their sense of competence and abilities. Number three, encourage athletes to try new things and support their creativity. Allow them to play around during practice every once in a while and try new skills or experiment with their own choreography. You may have already found the joy and effectiveness of improv. It helps motivation too. Number four, along with asking for feedback, as we talked about before, provide feedback to your athletes in an appropriate, timely fashion. Make sure you focus on positive reinforcement and progress, not just the outcome. And number five, make sure your dancers know it's okay to make mistakes. It's a tradition for many dancers to clap when a fellow dancer falls in class. And this is one of my favorite old school traditions in dance because if it's genuine, like it helps the dancer understand when you're in class trying to improve your skills, sometimes you fall. Literally and figuratively, sometimes you fall. But if that dancer knows it's okay to make a mistake because everyone is supporting you, then she's more likely to be motivated and to keep trying until she's able to master the skill. Okay, let's move on to relatedness, the last of the three basic needs, and I have three things to focus on here to boost relatedness for your dancers. Number one, simply providing opportunities for your athletes to hang out, get to know each other, socialize outside of practice, encourage interacting with different teammates during practice as well as outside, sit with someone else uh, when you are working on homework in the hallways or during a team dinner, you know, choose a partner from other, another class to do the conditioning drills with you. The more you work on team bonding and social connections, the better. And this is still true in studio teams. Dancers naturally socialize outside of class, and often you know, those dancers become your whole friend group. But it's still important to add some intentional bonding for your competition teams especially. Number two, a relationship between a dancer and a teacher should be based in trust, care, and respect. So doing things like involving dancers in decision-making not only improves their sense of control and autonomy, but it helps them feel respected, like their voice matters. Use inclusive language, like let's all put in our best and focus on cleaning this section without interruption for the next 30 minutes. 
That statement includes you. You're communicating you're one of them and respect their time and effort as they should respect yours. That's a very different message than, I can wait all day, it's your time you're wasting. I know I'm guilty of saying that too. But think about the difference between that. When you're saying, like, I can wait, you are separating yourself from your team and from your class where you're saying, okay, let's all put on our best and focus for the next 30 minutes. That subtle change in language is a sign of respect and including you in the group, but it sends a very different message to your dancer and allowing them to relate to you in a different way and feel a sense of connection for you know the purpose of being there that day. And number three, acknowledge their thoughts and feelings by actively listening to your athletes. Ask them questions and truly listen to their answers. That's maybe easier said than done sometimes, but uh, most of the time, if we need to vent or we're upset or we're losing motivation, we just need to be heard. So the relationship you build with your dancers is one of the most important elements in determining their motivation. So here's the bottom line. The more you can support these three basic needs, the higher your athlete's self-driven motivation. The trickle-down effect from here is incredible because in a quick summary here, the research shows us that the more an athlete is intrinsically motivated, you see more effort, you see more persistence through difficult times, you see more positive attitude and happiness, you see more resilience or the ability to bounce back when they experience a failure. And who doesn't want all of that, right? So in order to reach everyone, think about incorporating a little bit of everything. You won't do each and every one of these suggestions. That's okay, and that's not the point. But this is just to get those ideas flowing. This was my mistake when I was early on in my dance career coaching and teaching, and I want to share this with you so that you don't make the same mistake. I personally am very driven by autonomy, so that's what I focused on for my dancers. I focused on making sure their autonomy was what was being supported and not knowing that's what it was at the time, but that's what motivated me, so that's what I used to motivate them. But It worked for a lot of them, but there were dancers who don't really have a high need for autonomy. They're motivated by relatedness or competence, and I wasn't reaching those needs. So we naturally teach in a way that aligns with our own needs. So this week, when you head to class, choose one strategy. Try to see how it goes. And then over the next month, try to incorporate one of each of the three needs so you reach all of your dancers. Soon enough, you'll have a class full of self-motivated dancers. I hope this inspires some new ideas for you to take back to your dancers the next time you're teaching class. And I also encourage you to think about your own basic needs as a teacher or a dancer. What motivates you to keep showing up every day? You can also find ways to incorporate satisfaction of your personal motivational needs to give yourself a boost if you need it. If you like this episode and found it helpful, please take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for listening and keep sharing your passion for dance with the world. (music) 